Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. Also, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate, review, and I know you're going to love today's episode as we will be joined by Mark Herzlick. Such an inspiring story, such an awesome guy, down to earth, really cool, and and you're going to love the conversation. Before we get to him, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com, know your options, go to healthmarketgenius.com, support them as they support us. Also, you can check out our website and subscribe to our weekday email devotional. We take sports stories related to the Bible, and we send them out for free each day, Monday through Friday. Uh, and you can sign up for free on our website. And if you already subscribe, uh, we encourage you to forward it on and encourage others to subscribe to the free devotional. And we also have devotionals available in the Bible app. So if you have the Bible app on your phone, just search Unpack This. Mark Herzlick, he's a college football analyst at ESPN, just finished up his first year with the ACC Network. I ask him all about that. And he's also a cancer survivor and just an inspiring, incredible story. He was a stud at Boston College. He was playing with uh, Luke Keekley, another stud linebacker. I'll ask him about him as well. And, and Mark was expected to be a first-round draft pick. He ends up getting cancer. He fights through it and returns to football, but teams were nervous about drafting him. So he ends up going undrafted. He ends up in New York with the Giants, plays for Tom Coughlin, wins a Super Bowl, plays seven years in the league, and, and man, just so cool to think all that he was able to accomplish following uh, his cancer and, and, and having to, to battle through that. And so we talk all about that. And really, I think his, his perspective is so interesting right now as, as we face the coronavirus, as many people are sick and, and dealing with the effects of the virus. And, and I think there are some parallels to uh, a cancer battle and, and some of the things that, that you learn through that and and so we hear about that from from Mark the, the perspective that he has and I think he'll be a, a real encouragement to everyone listening today and I encourage you to stick around at the end of the conversation uh, I got some more thoughts on on one of the topics that we discuss and this idea of really God's role in all of this this current situation you know kind of where is God what's going on and and a lot of questions get asked and you know some people like to come out and and say that this is you know what's happening in our world right now is God's wrath or his judgment and 
on one end, we, we don't know fully what God's up to. And so to, to try to think or know, oh, this is what God's doing. But, but, but my message for us today really is that God loves us and that God meets us in this place of fear and worry and pain, and he loves us and he comforts us, and he, he will use this situation for good. He's a good God and a faithful God. He is in control, and we do live in a broken world. There is sin, there is death, there is disease, and the reality is we're all going to die at some point. And what it comes down to is is that we celebrate Easter weekend that we put our hope and trust in the saving power of Jesus, that he went to the cross, he defeated death, he defeated sin, so that we can be reunited with God in, in right relationship with him, both now and for eternity. And, and even if we get a disease this side of, of heaven, ultimately we will be healed and we will have a, a resurrected body in heaven for eternity with God. And that's what we cling to. That's the hope that we cling to. And, you know, is there an ultimate judgment? Absolutely. I believe that. And so we have the opportunity to receive this free gift of grace, this free gift of salvation in Christ. And for those that don't, yes, there is an ultimate judgment. And, and so those that, that are in Christ and, and receive the good news of Jesus, yeah, we get to be with him forever. Those that don't want to be with God, God's not going to make them. He's not going to make them be with, be with him. Um, but right now, in this earth, there is con, you know, there's some confusion and, and there is disease and, and all that, that we're dealing with. But I think we have to focus on the loving God and that we know, the loving God who, who meets us in this place. And so we talk a little bit about that with Mark, and, and so I just want to give you a little, little background uh, to kind of set that up a little bit. Because I don't believe in a, a vengeful God. I believe in a, a just God and, and a God who allows us to choose him and love him freely. That love is, is a free choice to, to love him. Uh, so let's jump in. It's a great conversation. It's deep. It's, uh, there's a lot there, a lot of layers. And I, and I encourage you to, uh, to stick around uh, until the very end as well. So it's Mark Herzlick right here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Joining us right now on Unpacking It is Mark Herzlick, NFL, college football analyst, cancer survivor, and author of What It Takes. And uh, man, excited to have him on the show today. And Mark, man, how are you? I know there's a lot going on in the, in the world right now, but how are you and your family doing? Uh, we're good. We're staying safe. Um, gosh, man, we, we are just uh, thankful and very blessed that we have our health and we have each other right now. Absolutely. So as as you kind of address the, the, the current situation, what maybe principles or lessons that you learned during your cancer battle that can actually be an encouragement to those dealing with adversity today, but, but especially with, with so many affected specifically by the coronavirus? I think one of the things is that uh, you're not alone, right? That That's the biggest point of emphasis for anyone going through this right now unfortunately they're not alone but that's that's the case is that 
you know, they're going through something right now that's, that's devastating. When I got diagnosed with cancer, I felt like I was isolated in the little box myself. You know, it was my battle that I was fighting alone. Uh, and, you know, I realized that, you know, although no one else could actually was going to carry the disease for me, um, I was able to use my community in, in, in ways of, you know, getting food or getting encouragement or just getting prayer um, that really helped me go through it. So first thing is that with, with everyone right now, whether you unfortunately have the illness, whether you have a, a loved one who has it, whether you are just hunkered down in your house trying to avoid getting it, whether you're protecting everything, you know, it's you're not alone. Everyone's in this together. So um, I think that's one thing that uh, any sort of disease does. And what it did in my case with cancer is that you become unified with people that you never thought you'd be unified with. Uh, and there's people all over the entire world that all of a sudden, you know, regardless of language or religion or demographic or how much money you have, everyone's all of a sudden, okay, we are working together to try to beat this. So, you know, I think that that's just an encouraging note right off the bat where, you know, yes, you have a lot of fears that might be unique to yourself um, and to your own situation, um, but you are not alone. Wow. No, that's a great perspective. And, and, and what about just for you personally, because you're experiencing this as well, and it sound, you sound like you're doing well and your family's doing okay, but what has maybe been on your mind or heart just personally during this time, and, and maybe even how, how has your faith been growing or, or being challenged during this time? Yeah, well, I think the initial, um, the initial aspect for me um, in terms of just my faith alone uh, is, is always the question, why? Right. You know, I think that that becomes uh, a, a, a common question for everybody amongst stuff like this. You know, why is this happening or why is this happening to me or why is this not happening to me? And, you know, I think that the, the, the real question to turn from why uh, is turn to who. Right. Every, anytime you have that question, why is you turn it to who and who is really in charge um, and who is you know really the final word. And that's God and that's Jesus. And so. Um, anytime that I start to let that why creep into my mind, I automatically just say, stop, don't get me, don't, don't get me started on this why. Let's go to who and let's go to who is ultimately in charge. And, you know, I think that when I was first started my battle with cancer, um, I was I was a baby Christian. Um, you know, I kind of decided, OK, um, there's got to be something more because it just doesn't, it, everything's too complicated to have it be simple. Mm. Um, so there's got to be something more. Um, and, you know, there, I believe there, there was a God and I believe in Jesus and I believe that he, you know, died to save our sins. But I was very new uh, in my Christianity. And when I got diagnosed with cancer, it just started those why questions. Um, and constantly over and over again, people would remind me to go back to that who, and, and I would dive into the scripture and, you know, one, one, you know, place in the Bible, um, it basically says, cast all your anxiety on me um, because I love you. Um, and right now, anxiety is going to fill all of us regardless. You know, my wife went to the grocery store this morning because we ran out of everything. We finally uh. depleted our sources. She has the mask and the gloves on. She gets the, the car in the driveway and we're Lysol disinfecting all the food items as they come out of the bags and then from the bags into like a little I have a two-year-old son. He has a little wagon. We put it in the wagon and pulled it into the into the house, and then wow. put it in the fridge. I mean, the, it's just like the anxiety that comes with every little unseeable germ right now um, can be a, can really be paralyzing. Mm. Um, and so, when you throw that anxiety up to God and says, "Hey, look, I can't do this. Like, I just can't do this by myself. There's no way that I can wake up every single morning uh, analyzing every single." 
you know, microbe that floats around my house. I just can't do it. You know, you got to take that from me. So it's a way of just realizing, you know, I feel like every now and then God, God uses things, right? He doesn't cause this. He doesn't cause pandemics. He doesn't cause illnesses, but he uses things to remind us, say, Hey, look, life is just not in any of our controls and it's in his control ultimately. And ultimately he's going to rid, rid the earth of this. And then we, we will be in a reparation period. No, that's a, that's a, a great word. And I think the key for us, you know, when those the anxiety, the fear comes, we have to replace that with his peace, with with his joy, yes. with his hope. Otherwise, yeah, those feelings just take over. And, and like you said, they can paralyze us very quickly. Going back to, to your story specifically, because uh, I think a lot of people are in this situation where they're either going to lean into God and maybe they've never uh, had a relationship with him or don't understand fully who God is. But they're curious right now. It's kind of you know, fertile ground for, for a lot of people because there is a lot of pain and hurt and confusion, and they're looking for answers. Um, but for you, when you get the, you know, the, the cancer diagnosis, you can either you know, lean in to him and pursue him for, for strength and power and, and hope through that, or go the other way and be angry and, and, and you know, have those feelings. And I think people are battling, again, with that side of things too, anxiety, fear, anger. So... Uh, going back to your experience, wh- how do you kind of navigate those uh, perspectives? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I just would say that, um, yeah, in the beginning, I, I guess day one when I was diagnosed, um, you start to, gosh, man, you start to just see all the negative consequences of whatever information is out there, whatever diagnosis you're just given, whatever thing is, you know, happened to you. You start to see those negative influences flood your brain. Uh, and you know, devil tries to put these things in your brain because he wants to make you tired. He wants to wear you out, right? Like how much harder is it? You know, those two options you just gave, okay, do I fight against it? Do I be angry about it? Do I just, you know, keep banging my head against the wall? Like worrying? it's so much more tiring to do that. Like rather than just like turning towards the peace that God provides, you know, for me, literally, I get home from the doctor's office. I let go and lay in my bed. And, and you know, this is I'm in a junior in college going into my senior year. So, you know, if you picture it was still my high school bedroom. Right. So like I had you know bo- a bookcase with trophies on it. And like I had, you know, I hadn't cleaned out my room since I was six. So I had like swim team trophies <laughs> and di- I was I was actually on the diving team and nice. I was on like a diving I, yeah, I got like sixth place, but I still I kept the sixth place medal. Oh. So I had all that stuff on the wall. Um, the, the, ribbon, the ribbons from swim team. The ribbons, right? Yeah, I, know the, the ribbons. You know, the, I had like the green ribbons yep. that you know there you can't make red, blue, or yellow or whatever they were. <laughs> so you got green. <laughs> I remember so, those. So so anyway, so that so those are on the shelf, and there's a picture of me playing uh, uh, you know football in high school, and and I remember. So I was diagnosed with uh, bone cancer in my left femur, um, and I'm looking at this picture, and I'm carrying the football I'm running and my left leg is planted in the ground and I remember just looking at that picture and my mind just completely changing from you know why is this happening to me um kind of what did I do to deserve this you know I must have done something wrong because mm. you know that's a punishment you mm. get an illness and, and you're just punished because you couldn't ask for it you, you know it's not like you know I, I put my head in a microwave you know for three minutes every day when I was a kid and got like weird sort of like radon stuff it, it just happened to mm-hmm. me and so i started thinking i must have done something on the you know, i guess spiritual realm and then i looked at that picture and i just said no like that can't be it mm. that can't be what it is because but little i know about god 
is that he doesn't do that hmm. anymore. He doesn't do those things anymore. And there's a new covenant, and we have Jesus Christ who, who died for our sins. So for what little I knew, I just knew that doesn't seem right. There's no way, there's no way this many people would believe that this is the good news of the word if that's how it how, that's how it worked. It just wouldn't make sense. So I just just okay, I'm gonna start fighting and not fighting against God, but fighting with God against this cancer. Um, and so it was like a mental shift. I looked at that picture and I saw that leg. I said, you know, this leg right here, this is not gonna be what kills me. This is not gonna be what takes me out, and it's not gonna be what destroys me. So, you know, I kind of used that. Um, as an emblem of that moment. Um, and I still have it, that picture hanging in my office right now. And it's just, you know, it's, it's a reminder all the time at, you know, how, man, things are out of your control so much of the time and how it, oh gosh, it, it's just so much easier to give up some of that control. So that, that, that's kind of initially how, how I came to be. But one thing that did happen, um, which I see, you know, you see opportunity, any, any time that there's anything happens, God is like the ultimate optimist, right? Like he'll look at a situation and everybody will be, man, this is the worst. Yeah. Like it's the worst. And he'll be like, let me see if I can figure out some way to use this in a good way. Wow. Right. And so like, there's, there's an opportunity. There was an opportunity when I was diagnosed and it was an opportunity for me to let fear become a real thing in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, when we look back at the Old Testament, you, you look in the Bible and you, you talk about the fear of God, right? And it's a, I think it's a different, not like necessarily being just scared of him. That's not how we think anymore. And, that, and you know, there was, there was you know, lessons that were taught uh, in the Old Testament. But what we think about right now is, is a fear being something that you kind of embrace, is right? You're able to feel something. And so often, especially, you know, with us men, and, and I'm talking for myself, but we take our emotions and we compartmentalize them into like anger or joy, right? Mm -hmm. You're either happy or you're mad about something. <laughs> and a lot of times when you're mad, like you let the anger come out because really you know, you're either scared of something or you're embarrassed about something or something's like made you sad. And for me, I, I just, I guess I had never really experienced real fear before. And I started to fear for what was going to happen to me. And, and that fear it really opened a door to allowing, allowing God to enter. And it's kind of a weird way of, of, of going, coming to God, I guess. But I think you know, a lot of times for a lot of people, when, when they really desperately need, some, need something and realize it's completely out of their control, fear starts to enter into them. Mm. Uh, and they fight, say, hey, look, just in case you are real, let's do this thing. Mm. Um, and you know, they get so pleasantly surprised that their fear goes away and it turns into something of strength. You know, that, that fear, how can fear turn into strength? But, you know, God is able to do that. Man, no, it's a, a powerful words. And, and I'm thinking, too, as I'm, I'm listening to you, when we recognize God's love in that and like because the, the love casts out the, the fear yes. and, and the, yeah. the humility of getting to that point, too, of, man, I, I know I can't do this in my own strength. Like I, I, this is way beyond anything that I can handle. And that's where God's love then comes in. So specifically with, with, with that, what, what did you learn then and, and even now just about his love? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, his love is unbelievable. And, and I think the, you know, I, I, have, I have a tough time. I had a tough time understanding it really until I had a son of my own. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I talk to guys and try to just figure out the best way or, or girls and try to figure out the best way of explaining it 
to people who do not have kids and, and and there's ways to go about it but for people who do have kids i have a two-year-old son who is off the wall bonkers <laughs> and especially being kept in the house and quarantined we have padded mats in our basement now so we can just roll around and jump around and tumble but there's there's this sense of like you could you could make me upset but like i could never change from love to hate there can just never that can never even creep anywhere near that line right the the love is just it's so far one way that there's nothing in the world that he could do or say or think or become right that that becomes a fear what is my kid going to become when he grows up is yeah. he going to make something of himself is he going to make me proud whether you're proud or not that love is still there right so unconditional. like unconditional so I look at God and then when I look at, you know, his love for us, it can just, it can cat, you know, you can go to, you can go to your father in heaven and just be like, look, you need to hold me. Right. My son right now, he's in a phase where, you know, he'll be like, mom, hold me, hold me, hold me like dad, hold me. And just like, we hold him and pick him up and like, he's good. Mm-hmm. And like, like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. And like, I feel like that's how God is. And you know, we can take some of that, that worry and that pain and that fear away but I do, you know, the option that he does give us is to go to him and say, hold me, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you got to do that. And, and I think that that's the, that's the part that we miss so often because we are either too proud or, or think we're too strong or think we you know, can handle things ourselves where we just don't go and say, hold me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just got to look at guys and say, bro, you got to hold me. <laughs> hold right. me, God. That's right. That's right. And and really, yeah, we, we don't like adversity. We don't want adversity, but that's when we get to that place where we say, hold me. And and God yeah. God delivers and God comforts and, and God meets us in that place and we experience his love. And so in many ways, you know, this, this whole situation that we're dealing with as as a world, it's, I mean, it's devastating and we hate it, but I'm also encouraged because I know people are, turning to God and he's right there to meet them. And, and that brings yeah. me a lot of excitement and joy in the midst of everything going on. Um, and then to hear your story too, with, you know, a lot, a lot of people get cancer too, and a similar experience happens and God delivers when we seek him, when we search for him, when we cry out to him, he answers us and it's uh, it's powerful stuff. So I, I appreciate you sharing uh, your experience with that. Yeah, we could talk all, all day about God's love, and it wouldn't, wouldn't be enough. Yeah. But, but I'm with you, too. I, I've got an eight-month-old daughter. and Oh, yeah. And, and my understanding of God's view of me has definitely changed since yeah. looking through the lens of my perspective of her. And especially just my desire for her to do you know, what keeps her safe. And like she doesn't always understand why I'm saying, hey, don't drink the water in the bathtub. Like she doesn't get it right, right now. <laughs> but I just don't want her to drink the water in the in the bathtub, not because I trying to keep her from having fun or whatever. And so you just kind of recognize yeah. that too. Yeah, and, and you know the other side of it too, rather than just like the correcting, uh, is you really start to understand that there's no way God puts this pain on people. No. You know this this the sickness and illness because the amount of anguish you feel when your child gets hurt. Could you imagine inflicting pain? On your child oh. and that feeling, just purposely inflicting a harm on your child, and and, and you know, I think that the, it it that obviously, you know, we, my wife and I, besides cancer uh, stuff, we do a lot of work. She's a domestic violence survivor, and and so we do a lot of work in that area too. And 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 you know, it, it just you just want these these people, mostly men, to just 
feel that love of Jesus, right? Because mm-hmm. when they can feel that love, it can help curb any of that anger. But that's, you know, that's a whole different topic. But when you think about that kind of infliction of pain on the one you love the most, that God would never do that, right? He just is he's too good to do that. So I think that that's a reminder. Anytime where it starts to creep in our mind, well, God, why are you doing this to me? God, there's no way he could possibly be doing this to you. Yeah, I'm with you. And there, you know, there have been people that have come out and said, oh, you know, this the virus is God's judgment and all that sort of thing. And ultimately, he is the final judge. And and we're all going to die here on earth. And, and so that is the end result of a broken world and a sinful world and, and what happened in the garden and, and all of that. But ultimately, God's love supersedes all of that. And to me, the message right now in the midst of it all is turn to God because he loves you, not because he's this vengeful God trying to hurt a bunch of people yeah. to, to what you're saying. Yeah. So it's just to me, that's and a, also, a misguided yeah. Yeah. Well, to that point, too, read the end of the book. That's right. Revelation makes it pretty clear. This is not what it's going to look like. It, you're going to know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're going to know. Exactly. And, and God, God is using this this disappointment for a lot of good. There's a lot of good that, that is taking yeah. place in homes, you know, personally, individually with people. Um, but even I think in a larger scale, too, a lot of good is going to come out of it. It's hard to see in the moment and all that. But absolutely. But again, God's bigger than, than all of this. So uh, I've had a prayer on my whiteboard, just con- 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 continually praying that and seeing God's light shine through uh, right now. It's been cool to see. So, uh, man, no, I appreciate your, uh, your, your heart and, and thoughts on that for sure. Let's talk a little uh, broadcasting and football as, as well. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, you know, your first year in broadcasting, what were the joys? What were the, the challenges that, that you experienced? Well, I think it you know, brought a lot of joy. It, it was interesting. I didn't know exactly how much I would like it um, when I first started because, you know, there was always the thought of, gosh, man, you know, like I'm talking about it. I'm not playing it. I'm ta- talking about other people doing it. And my whole life, you know, I've just been doing, I've been playing. And, and one thing that drew me to broadcasting was like when my story was shared um, through television, through ESPN, when people were able to hear my battle of cancer and overcoming it, I was like, man, the platform that that provided. Um, and so I kind of made a, a, a rule for myself. It's like anytime I could share light and God's light during a broadcast, I would do it. And so you know, that would become one of both the biggest challenge, but also one of the best things that, um, you know, happened. And, and one of my favorite one of my favorite games uh, we called this year was probably one of the worst blowouts we had. But, mm-hmm. you know, Clemson played Wofford and uh, they were up by 45 points at halftime that week was able to talk to Trevor Lawrence. Um, and you know, he had mentioned something, you know, you talk to these players and he mentioned something about, man, I felt so blessed to do this. And, you know, a little bell went off in my head and I said, I'm just going to dig a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, like, are you, a, are you a Christian? And, and, you know, uh, how does that affect, you know, your play? And he said, yeah, I am. And, and he told me this story about a, a third string on their team named Darian Renter, who basically has been their team pastor. Uh, you know, he, he is uh, taking guys, baptized them over the summer, brought them to God. And, and I thought it was really kind of cool and was able to, you know, talk about this um, on the air because, you know, it, it's something that makes – Trevor Lawrence, great. You know, he's able to take a lot of his anxiety, a lot of the things that, you know, uh, the pressure, the need to make every throw and kind of put them away. Uh, And then, you know, was able to talk about this guy who doesn't 
really ever see the field, Darian Renter, who but he makes the one of the biggest impacts on the team. So you know, like to me, that's what I love about you know some of these college games and these college you know guys because these are the last years really of their growth as men, right? Mm-hmm. Before your brain kind of gets fully developed, these are the last like formative years of of their adolescence. Uh, and a lot of these coaches just are imparting such great wisdom uh, on them. And, you know, I think that's that's something really cool that we don't we don't talk about enough. Um, I think in the broadcasting business, but, you know, hearing some of the these philosophies that these really good coaches have, um, that that was some of my favorite parts about it. Yeah, that, that's neat, because uh, a lot of times I'll ask guys, uh, you know, they love just being around the X's and O's, but to actually be around the people and the stories, and I, I think that, that's what ultimately means more anyway. So uh, that's, cool. that's cool to hear that you're able yeah. to embrace that. Yeah, and, and also, too, I like lifting in all the, uh, the gyms. We go into <laughs> all, all the places we go. Me and uh, my play-by-play guy, Chris Cotter, um, he, is, he is a meathead. And we go and we, <laughs> we lift weights in all the nice. gyms. So those are fun, too. <laughs> nice. I love it. Are you still putting up the same as you did uh, when you were playing? Or oh, no, like? not quite. But yeah. I, I, uh, it's funny. So since we've been quarantined, I have um, I realized that I'm not as great at um, sticking to my diet when I'm quarantined. And so I decided to go in bulking mode. So I've been, I've been throwing up some weight nice. recently. Nice. The worst part for me, so I, I was joking with you about the swimming earlier. So I grew up as a swimmer, a swim coach, all that stuff. And I had taken off swimming for like 10 years. I finally got back into the pool kind of at the start of the year. And now all the Ys are, are closed. The YMCA closed. So the quarantine's actually hurt me. It's, it's been a bummer. So uh, good, I know. good for you to keep throwing it up, though. That's all right. Yeah, try trying. Just, you know, four or five sets heavy. I just need to do it every now and then. It's good. That's good. And my wife is a personal trainer, so she kills me normally. She just, just you know, like we're doing burpees till the cows come home down in our basement. So Man. I got to get a little fun weight in every now and then. Well, so you, you transition into broadcasting uh, after, you know, seven years in the NFL and, and, and a, you know, just a, a nice NFL career and a great college career and, and winning a Super Bowl and overcoming all that you overcame uh what was that like though kind of finishing your football career how was that transition because everybody goes through a a different experience with that what was that like for you it was hard and anyone who anyone who tells you it's not hard is lying to you you know i I did everything that i thought i could do to prepare for it you Mm -hmm. know i uh yeah I, i was an undrafted guy um you know partially because of uh you know cancer limited what i was able to do on the field afterwards but i was undrafted so you know i never know how long my career was going to be so every time we had you know a little break from football in the summers i'd do internships and did you know did internships at uh venture capital firms at jp morgan did you know internship at you know different radio things and you know just tried to keep seeing what i wanted to do and getting connections and all that stuff man when it ended it was still like I felt like I could play more. I felt like I went out like I, you know, I had a great preseason and just kind of coaching changes kind of limited that. Um, and and I felt like I could play more. But I also had told myself since I was a young pup in the league that I was not going to be a guy that sat out a year and then trained and tried to keep going and try to make it a little bit more of it. I was like, OK, when time is time, I'm going to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had just had our son at the time. And so. There was, you know, there was a lot of joy at home, so that that definitely helped. But you know, a lot of times you know, for me, I I equated kind of 
you know, some of my worth to, you know, what I did built a lot of identity around that. Um, and re re realizing my identity in God. Um, that was the first thing I had to do, um, which was great to have the time to do that. Um, reconnected with a lot of people in my church, which was fantastic. And then try to decide what I wanted to do for a living. And, and I, uh, did, you know, went into interviews in, in New York and got a couple of job offers on wall street and oh, was wow. just, getting crushed by the commute and like saw how much time I'd be away from my family. I was like, man, if I could just do something else where I could you know, at least be with my son. And, and I put this not, I didn't write it on paper, but you know, just a mental like pro and con chart of, of all, all the things. And the, the one thing that I wanted more than anything was to be with my family. So if I had made less money and, and was with my family more then that was the choice I was going to make. So, um, you know, money became, something that I took off the table mm. of like, Hey, let's just see what I would like to do without money being involved. Uh, and this opportunity came up with ESPN and the ACC network and, and launching that. And man, it, you know, it was, it's awesome. You know, I, it, it, ESPN been great. I've loved covering it. The people have been awesome. And then we get to spend, I get to spend time with my son and he gets to watch me on TV for a few minutes before he goes to bed. You know, yeah, it's just like, cool. it, it's a lot of cool stuff that that's been coming along with this. And, you know, obviously the things I said before about getting to know these players just, you know, it, it, it makes everything uh, makes everything really worth it to be away from home. Oh, that's great, man. And uh, I love the ACC network. I thought first year, oh, tremendous. The, the, the <laughs> analysts, the personalities, the coverage, really, really strong. Um, so it's kind of a bummer that we're not getting all the – I know. The, the, the live action right now, but some replays and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's exciting for you. I'm, I'm so happy you, you landed with them. And, and being a part of a, a launch of a network is really cool, too. Still a part of ESPN, but the ACC network, uh, that's, a, that's a neat opportunity. So uh, that's, uh, the timing of all that for you is really cool as well. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, so, of course, in a couple of weeks we get the NFL draft. That's going to be way different this year. It'll be interesting for sure. Uh, but you alluded to the, the fact that you were undrafted. And, and I'm curious, yeah. as, as you look back all those years, what, what floods your mind from that experience of hoping to get drafted, going undrafted, and, and ultimately landing with the Giants? Again, another way that God kind of does his thing in the background that you, you don't really want to see it happen, and then it happens, and you're like, oh, this makes sense. So, so I actually, you know, I kind of had an interesting undrafted story because, you know, I had, um, I've been invited to the draft, so, um, you know, as a player, you know, then I wasn't gonna get drafted in the first round, but because you know, I probably would have been a first round pick the year before and obviously it was a big story in, in the college football community with overcoming cancer. So I was invited to the draft and went and you know, participated in all the things that the guys do and it was in New York and we rang the, the stock exchange bell and just like a really cool, fun experience and it was it was just wild. All the guys, you know, they're in their suits. Uh, you know, they're nice suits that they you know, get given a nice suit and then they try to rope you into buying like six or seven more afterwards. <laughs> um, but they're in their suits and they're walking up and you know, they know they're going they're going on stage to get drafted. And it was really kind of interesting because I knew I was going there and I wasn't going to get drafted that day. Right. I was going to probably get drafted the next day or the day after. And so there was a you know camera crew following following me because we were doing a feature for uh, Gatorade was doing something, um, a feature on the Internet. So did that. Had the camera crew with me the whole time. That day comes and goes and, you know, go out to dinner and celebrate all this fun stuff. The next day we go to uh, uh, we're going up to my brother's uh, football game, spring football game at Brown University. And so I'm there and the camera crew's there 
And I think this is when the draft was two days and, and basically the entire day went by and my phone did not ring one time. I did not get one call and it comes and goes and the camera crew's there and they're, you know, interview asking me, Oh, what's it feel like? How's it feel? This and that. And then, and then, you know, it was, first of all, it was like, it, you know, I want to say I was mad, right? That's like my initial, it was embarrassing. Mm. You know, it, it's embarrassing. Mm. You, you have, and I feel for guys because as great a career as they might have in the future, in that moment, in that day, they're with their families, that everybody's like hoping for them. And they, they have this feeling of, Hey, uh, at least I had this feeling of, you know, man, I let everybody down. Mm. You know, I, it's embarrassing, man. You know, it, it just, it like, it was this burning kind of sensation in my body. It was just like, like, you know, you get hot and flushed because you're embarrassed. Like, that's how I felt. And it was just hard. And then we moved on and, and there was no football. It was during the lockout year. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I went back down and trained in Florida at IMG academies and, and stayed there for another two or three months until, you know, get a call in, in July saying, Hey, do you want to come and play for us? And it was, you know, uh, I got called Andy Reed and Tom Coughlin said to me, he said, Hey, yo, Hey Mark, I know your story. And it's an amazing story, but I don't want you on my team because of your story. I want you on our team because I think you can help us win a Super Bowl. And I was like, I felt seen, you know, right? I felt seen for you know my football rather than just a story. And so you know, I went there, and it, it worked out obviously swimmingly yeah. <laughs> because you know got to win a Super Bowl my rookie year, and uh, you know ended up starting a bunch of games towards the end of the season. This was you know really great, and ended, I ended up having my whole career with the New York Giants, and and raising my family in the suburbs of New York. So this is kind of, it all is, goes with God's plan. Gosh, that's awesome. And so kind of through that, you, you mentioned that was a, a tough time. What was your faith like going through all of that and the waiting and, and how did God ultimately kind of reveal himself in, in the midst of that? Yeah, it was, you know, there was um, the need for just like focusing on the things that, uh, you know, I can control. Um, and I can, you know, handle myself in this, in these situations and continuing to work and getting stronger and better and staying prepared. Uh, and then being comfortable with letting God handle the things that I can't handle myself, you know, all the things that are up in the air that I have no control over, I have to let it go. So, you know, I, I, uh, I want to say externally, um, I showed that, um, broke out in acne all over my face because I think I was so stressed out. Wow. I mean, it just wow. like, like I've had physical reactions, the, the stress, but, um, yeah, I could always come back to the center, right? Mm-hmm. I could always come back to that center place of saying, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. That's awesome. No, I love it. And, uh, I think a lot of guys will resonate with those feelings because the, the hope and dream is to get drafted in the next couple of weeks. And a lot of guys will go undrafted, but just like your story, I mean, how many guys have been undrafted and have tremendous NFL careers and Hall of yeah. Fame careers and Super Bowl winners and all that? And uh, it's fun to root for those guys too because they're the uh, oh yeah the underdog too. But yeah, and I think that you know, and that's the biggest thing is is when you doesn't matter where you get drafted, when you get drafted, the thing to remember for anybody is you're where the round you get drafted in, basically you get tokens. It's like a token, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're in the first round, you get ten tokens. If you're in the second round, you get nine. All the way down to undrafted guys, you get like two. Yeah. And those are your screw up chances. Yeah. Those are your chances to screw up. If, you know, if you screw up as a first rounder, you have to give one of your tokens in. You got about nine more shots. Yeah. But when you're an undrafted guy or a late round guy, you got like one or two tokens, so you can't mess up. So you just gotta, I mean, you gotta stay the course. You gotta, you know, keep your head down, keep your mouth shut. Like you gotta just, you know, 
do the things that they need you to do uh, and, you know, don't make waves and, 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 you know, try to do things yourself. So like, you know, regardless, like that, that has nothing to do with your success, right? Like you could be a first rounder and keep those 10 chips your entire career. And those are the guys who are really great. You could be a, you know, you could be an undrafted guy and you could, you can gain more chips. Like you can get, <laughs> probably get chips as the years go on. Right. But like, it's what you do when you get there. And so that, that like, position and round even more so today than ever before you know the money is going to be there again later so like that doesn't need to be a worry so yeah man like the guys who work hard you can tell when they come in the building when the guys who work hard the guys who are humble the guys who you know can buy into what the team is about and that are hungry to, to succeed those are the guys who make it and have long careers Yep, it's, uh, it's fun to see, for sure. Well, man, uh, I could talk all day, and there's so much more we could get to, but uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up. And uh, I just want to ask you one more thing, because I'm, I'm here in Charlotte, Panthers country, and uh, Luke Keekley just retired, your former teammate. What, what comes to mind when you, you, when you heard the news and, and just kind of the realization that, man, the NFL is not going to have Luke Keekley anymore? I know. It, you know. So I think that, gosh, he had like a tenacity, right? You, I mean, you must have loved watching it. just... As a linebacker, you know, it's easy to watch film and be like, man, that guy's not as good as he really is. You know, he, everybody says he is. And then you'd watch Luke and be like, gosh, I want to play like him. <laughs> like, I just, like, man, he is just so good. And, you know, he he never was dirty, right, like in the traditional sense of dirty, but he just played hard to the end of the whistle, right, to all the way. And so, I mean, he had that about him. And I think that, um, you know, after talking to him, you know, we, we had dinner at Super Bowl and, and you know, hung out and, just talking about, I think he just realized his body was not going to allow him to do that. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I look at that as like totally a sign of maturity, right? A guy who is able to understand that, man, my body's just me to do this at my best level anymore. And I don't want to deplete my skills. So I'm going to walk away and, and, you know, start my next career. So you know, I think, like I said before, I'm sure it was hard for him. You know, you could tell on his face, it was hard for him. Um, but I think he's kind of excited to uh, to start the next chapter of his life, whatever that may be. Definitely. Hopefully he sticks around in Charlotte and he'll still be a part of the community. But he's uh, definitely a Panthers legend, that's for sure. So, uh, man, well, cool cool to have you on the show today. I've, I've wanted to have, have you on for a long time. So this is a, a real treat and uh, excited for your broadcasting career and fatherhood and, and all that guys doing in your life. So, so thanks for uh, coming, coming on, unpacking it today. Yeah, Bryce, appreciate it. Maybe we'll do this again sometime soon. Absolutely. Sounds great. There's Mark Herzlick joining us here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. How great is he? Got to be one of my favorite guests of the year and just one of my favorite guys to talk to. And, and we talked on Google Hangout, so I got to, to see him, and, and just the interaction was really cool. So I appreciate his heart, and I asked him some tough questions and you know, just some things that we all wrestle with, especially with, with what we're facing right now in our world. And, and, and going back to his, his point on you know, him thinking, oh, having, having to overcome the thought of God gave me this cancer because he was mad at me. And I just think that that's not the, the right thinking and so I'm so thankful that he overcame that and and I think growing up 
you know, in in my own faith journey, there were times where I thought when something bad happened to me, it was God, you know, punishing me and, and he was mad at me. And I really think we have to to grow out of that mentality into understanding God's love and grace and resting in that and recognizing that bad things are going to happen, tough things are going to happen, and we're going to get hurt, we're going to get sick, we're going to have disappointments and, and discouragements, and they're not all uh, God's going, ha, gotcha, ah, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you, ah, I'm going to punish you here, I'm going to punish you there. But at the same time, there are times where we will be disciplined. When we choose sin and we go down you know, the wrong path, God's going to course correct us. And so he will allow things to happen in order for us to open our eyes and, and to see him and, and to be reminded of our need for him. And so it's tough with this kind of the, the discipline and the, the loving discipline. So we always have to go back to who he is as our father. So he's not, he's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to love us well. And sometimes suffering and pain is, is, is used for us to recognize his love and his grace. But we have to remain rooted in that versus this vindictive, vengeful God that some people have led us to believe. And, and, and that's not, to me, the characteristic of the, the God of the Bible and, and the one that sent Jesus to pay our punishment. He, he put the wrath on Jesus. So, so it's, it's finished. When Jesus said it is finished, God's wrath went to Jesus. And so now we have this ability to, to receive this forgiveness. And so when we walk with Jesus and follow him and know him and live our life uh, with him and for him, God's not out to, to get us. He's not. He just wants us to know how much he loves us and, and how much he, he, his grace is available to us. And so I think we just have to change our perspective on how we view suffering. And as followers of Jesus, we will suffer. We will go through tough times. And again, there is some course correction at times. But there are amazing people that, that love the Lord that get cancer. And there are amazing people that love the Lord that, that are doing the, you know, doing, uh, living a, a obedient life uh, that still falls short that will end up getting the coronavirus. And, and it's not God saying, oh, you're the worst, you're getting it, you're the worst, you're getting it. Are you kidding me? That, that is not, that's not how God is. So I, I hope that, that we recognize that. And I would say this, has, has, we'll talk about America specifically, has America become kind of a, you know, off from being, from being a Christ-centered country? Probably. Yeah, we've taken prayer out of schools, and we, we've become more secular and, and that kind of thing. But there's always been a freedom of, of religion, and that's kind of what this, this country was founded on. But yeah, there was a, a Christ-centered, a, a, a Bible-believing focus at the beginning uh, when, when the pilgrims came and, and, and the early founders of our great country, and we've gotten away from a lot of that for sure. So is this God's wrath on our country by sending the coronavirus? That, it's not really for me to decide, but I, I don't think that that adds up from, from what I gather. Um, but what I will say is God is using this to draw people back to himself. So he, he sees the, the, the unfortunate situation. Okay, it's a broken world, and there is disease, and there are viruses that go on, and People, people have to go through certain pains because of it. 
but God's meeting us right there in the situation. He's turning around for good. And he's saying, all right, I'm going to bring families back together. I'm going to have families have, have more dinner and more time together. People are going to work less. They're going to work from home. They're going to be around more. They're, they're not going to be so caught up in, in busyness. And so he's using this all for good. So in, in many ways, maybe the coronavirus isn't a bad thing. So we say, oh, this is, this is a, a, a wrathful thing. No, it's a great thing. So sometimes it's all about our perspective, too, that, man, there's so much good that can come from it. And it's hard to think about in the moment. But, but man, if, if this Easter people are, are turning their hearts to the Lord because they're, they're at home, they're on Facebook, and all of a sudden they start seeing sermons and, and people pointing to the cross and people, preachers, encouraging people to turn their life around, that's a good thing. So if the coronavirus leads people to eternal life, to recognizing who Jesus is, then, that, then, then this is a wonderful gift. Maybe it's not even an unfortunate virus. It's a wonderful gift. And so we have to think about that. We have to consider that. And, and, and God's ways are higher than our ways. I say all of that, too. We can't figure it all out. I don't have all the answers. But I do know that God is loving, and His grace is what we, is what we need, and it's what we need to rest in. And so the fear of the Lord is a reverence and honor to know that God is in control, that he is a just and perfect God. And in order for us to be in right standing with him, to, to, to know him fully and to be with him forever, it's through Christ and, and what he did on the cross. And it's a free invitation for all of us, regardless of what we've done in our past. And, and so we can know him and follow him uh, starting today. And, and so let's rest in that good news. That is the good news of the gospel and, and so that's the God that, that we serve. And, and so uh, it's, a, it's a loving, grace-filled God. Amen. All right, I'm preaching today. Get me going. Get me going on Easter weekend. That's right. There you go. There's today's show. Mark Herzlick, awesome guest. Thanks for joining me here on the Unpacking It podcast. As always, I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected. And through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.